Welcome everyone to episode 101 of the Aligned Performance Podcast, the podcast helping you to create a life of high performance that is aligned to your heart's purpose so that you can thrive at the highest level possible. You can leave an impact on this world and be fulfilled till your last day. My name is Trang, high performance coach and speaker and your host of the show. And today, I am very excited to be sharing with you a conversation that I had with Dr. Ashton Wilson, talking about how you can make your uni degree work for you in more ways than one. The reason why we're having this conversation is because many of you listening to this podcast are high achieving young adults and you're determined to fulfill your potential in your career. You're determined to achieve extraordinary things And one of your biggest fears is settling and becoming mediocre. And in today's world, in order to achieve an extraordinary career, it's all about transferable skills and climbing not just one Mount Everest of the same job in the same industry, but an Everest of many different roles and different experiences that build on from each other over a lifetime. Like that is the world that we are in now, especially over the last couple of years, 2020 and 2021, where you know the world as we knew it was shaken up and industries were forced to adapt and forced to change and individuals needed to harness all of their different skills and experiences to stay thriving in their careers. And the reason why I'm having this conversation with Dr. Ashton Wilson is because she is an osteopath, the director of Alpha Sports Medicine and Osteopathy in Melbourne. She's also a strength and conditioning coach, a kinetic link trainer. She's worked with athletes in elite sports. And more recently, she's put on her entrepreneurial hat to start up online courses and branch out of her sporting and clinical roles. So what Ashton has done is make the most of her uni degrees within her field, which includes a Bachelor of Biomedical Science, a Bachelor of Clinical Science, and a Master's of Osteopathy. She has used what she has to continue thriving through the pandemic and then to explore avenues outside of what her uni degrees directly give her. So in this episode, Ashton shares with you what she knows to help you seek as many opportunities as possible in your field or to create a new path for yourself and to climb a new Mount Everest based on what degrees you currently have. Ashton shares with you her thoughts on the value of a uni degree, the power of resourcefulness, whether or not it is a problem to be a jack of all trades how you can become adaptable and leaves a message for those of you who do want to completely reinvent yourself in your career. This is an episode that is so timely, especially with the great resignation over the last year. Something that, you know, no matter who you are, no matter what industry you're in, it is something that is becoming more and more relevant. So let's get into it. This is my conversation with Dr. Ashton Wilson on how you can make your uni degree work for you in more ways than one. Welcome to the Aligned Performance Podcast, Ashton. It's so great to have you here. Oh, thank you for having me. It's so great to be in person. Mm, it is. <laughs> and I love that we're from the same industry, but also like different professions. You know, I'm a physio, you're an osteo, but we're here collaborating, sharing ideas, which is great because what we're talking about today is relevant for you know anyone. Um, so it's great to have this space. Oh, absolutely. I think that there is so much more that we are connected by in the allied health space. Um, I think it's really getting to the point that whatever degree you graduate with, it's really what you choose to do with it afterwards. And the people you connect with, they may not be from the industry you, you graduated with, Um, But they've got the same values as you. And I think that that's uh, where it's become a really collaborative space in a way. Mm. It'd be problematic if you were a chiropractor, though. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> hey, no, there are some excellent chiropractors out there. Yeah. Some excellent. One that you worked with, like. Yes. You know, yeah. yeah. Luke, uh, in case you're listening, you're an excellent chiropractor. <laughs> I was about to say, like, oh, like put a dig at chiropractors in the first like 30 seconds of the episode. We're off but to clearly it's a joke because, yeah, I work closely with the chiro who yeah, is one of the best, like, uh, yeah, health practitioners that I know. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so let's. I want to get straight into it by setting the scene for what we're talking about today. Uh, So today we are talking about how you can make your uni degree work for you in more ways than one. So Ashton, why are we talking about this? Like, why is this relevant and why is this important? Well, I think the reason you and I started getting connected was via Instagram um, back in 2020 when, you know, the world was changing a lot and a lot of people really had to um, pivot I suppose that was the buzzword of the year mm. a lot of people had to really change the way they were practicing um, and I think it really threw a lot of people into the deep end thinking about you know I have this degree this qualification and now maybe I can't practice the way I wanted to think of you know our friends in myotherapy or massage therapy mm. you know their whole industries were shut down so I think that it really threw a lot of people into a bit of a spin going oh well I have this I have this qualification, but now I can't practice the way I want to. Maybe I need to start thinking about something else, but there are always challenges with that. And I think that that's why it's a really important thing that we talk about it and just help people understand that there are more ways than one that you can use your degree. Yeah. So relevant, especially the last couple of years. Okay. So to, to give everyone a bit of an idea more about who you are, let's, let's, let's talk about that before we get any deeper into this. So who are you, Ashton, and what do you do? So I'm an osteopath and I specialize in hypermobility disorders, but I also run a clinic in Newport uh, here in Melbourne. And my clinic's name is Alpha Sports Medicine. And we have a combination of osteopaths and physios that work together in the clinic. And yeah, we just have a really nice collaborative space where we all work together. We all share the same values and we all approach our patients in a really similar holistic way. Yeah. Um, but I guess, yeah, I'm, I'm here today because I have utilized my degree in multiple ways mm. and I want to continue to do that as well and, and really challenge the, the area that we're in and, and just find other ways to, to keep like educating other people and um yeah just making the most of what i've learned in my life yeah for sure because i think we were were speaking about this before um we started recording you've been practicing now for how many years six years yeah years now so yeah getting to the uh the the kind of the pointy end i suppose where where people do start to drop off Mm, i was about to say that yeah like we said before so i'm at that point where I, i feel like i'm well into it Um, But I can see a lot of people that I graduated with are starting to think, you know, is there something else out there for me? Or maybe they're not feeling 100% satisfied with what they are doing. Yeah. Um, For me, I'm really happy doing what I'm doing and I'm always finding other ways to challenge myself. Um, But yeah, it is really six years in. I've learned a lot, but there's still so much to go. So much more I can learn. <laughs> yeah, it's an ongoing journey, never mm. ends. It's like it's like that um, graph. The more you know, the more you don't know. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. There's so yep. much out there to learn, and I think just yeah, I'm really open to it, and I'm always looking to learn new things. So mm. it's a it's a really um, yeah, it's a fun way to kind of live life. Yeah, being curious. Absolutely. <laughs> Uni degrees. Let's start with that because. You know, this is kind of the foundation of what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. I know for me, growing up, the whole narrative around uni degrees was that you need to have one because it's the only pathway to having a secure and stable job. But on the other side, there are also people out there who have the complete opposite perspective where they're like, oh, uni degrees are BS, like who needs them? So where do you stand with that and what have you observed over time of, of working and, and being a director in the value or the use of uni degrees? Yes, yeah, so a great question. I think I was pretty similar to you. I grew up in a, in a family where education was really everything and 
when I left high school, I wanted to take a gap year and that was just a no-go from my parents. Yes, <laughs> just like not even an option. Like what is a gap year? No, it was not even, I floated the idea of living in Hamilton Island for a year and um, that was just not going to happen. It was you're going to university and, and I did. So I did my first degree in biomedical science and then I went straight into five years of osteo after that. So I really did eight years of university to get to where I am today. Wow. Yeah, it seems like a long time, right? Um, I mean, best years of my life. I had so much fun being at university and, you know, I, I wouldn't change it. I don't regret it. But I think that the emphasis and the pressure on young people to go to university straight out of high school, I think that, um, yeah, that pressure can really um, get to a young person, especially when you probably don't even know who you really are yet. You don't know, you know, you don't really know your identity. You don't know what makes you who you are. And yet you're making these big decisions on what kind of career path you're going to take as well as having a huge hex debt along the way. Mm. And then potentially you graduate and go, oh, this wasn't even for me in the first place. But I did it because I felt like I had to do it. I mean, I look at some of the people I went to high school with. I went to a public high school uh, and a lot of people dropped out early to become tradies, um, do apprenticeships. And they are flying. A lot of them run their own businesses in trades and you know, they didn't go to university. They did TAFE courses and apprenticeships age 16, and they still learned the life skills um, required to run a business. Yeah. And, you know, they work hard, but they earn the money that they want. They have people working for them and they can kind of create their own future without a university degree. So I think in a way, like for us to practice in healthcare, you do need a degree. You you need it. Do you want yeah. surgery from yeah. someone who's <laughs> never done a degree to qualify right. them? Exactly. <laughs> like there are certain things you do need a degree yeah. for, you know, you have to have those skills and that knowledge to be able to care for someone's health or to be able to practice law, um, to be an engineer, those kind of things. University definitely um, is required. But I don't think university teaches us all the life skills required to run a business or, mm. you know, there are a number of other industries, I think, that, um, you know, you can really learn those valuable skills outside of the university system. So I think the emphasis we put on getting a university education, it really depends on what kind of pathway you want to take in life. And sometimes you think you're on the right path and, and you think you're doing the right thing. Maybe it's according to what everyone else wants you to do. And then you get to the end of it and think, oh, that's actually not really who I am anymore. And that's okay. Yeah. You know, it's all part of the journey. I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be young people in our twenties, thirties, you know, living in the same career. But I think the reality is, is that Changing careers is really common and, you know, we, we just need to learn to accept that and be okay with it, that university may not be everything. Mm. Yeah, that's so well said. <laughs> you know, there's there's multiple components to this. It's not a black or white answer. Mm. Absolutely. Um, but what you said before about being expected and having so much pressure to know what you want to do when you're 18 and even younger, right? Like, mm. it's just the question that gets asked to children and teenagers. Oh, what do you want to do when you grow up? But at that age, and I know this was true for me, I'd barely seen the world. Mm. <laughs> I barely knew my own values. I barely knew my own beliefs. Or I barely knew about professions out there. So what I thought I wanted to do was just based off my narrow understanding of what I knew. And yeah, I think that would be the case for so many people because... Yeah, when, when you're 18, how much of the world have you seen? What do you really know? Mm. Well, you've seen it through your parents' eyes or your teacher's eyes. Which is a very biased, like, narrow version of the whole wide world. Totally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, people, it, there's so much pressure and so many expectations. And it's like, this is the metric, you know, get a good ATAR, go to uni. Um, and it's like a race almost to, to get to the top of the mountain so that no one's really, so everyone's racing to get to the top of this mountain, but then they get to the top of the mountain and realize that it was actually the wrong one. Oh, think about the pressure on 18 year olds going through their final year of year 12 and needing to get these ridiculous ATAR scores. You know, you, 
when I got my ATAR score, I didn't get high enough to get into medicine and it was devastating for me. Mm. I, I remember crying about it and being just so heartbroken thinking that's it. It's, it's over. Mm. So medicine was your first preference. Yeah. That's, that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to go into medicine straight away, straight out of high school. Now looking back on that, was I mature enough to do that? And I think in a way, the universe was saying, no, you're not. <laughs> you need to learn a little bit more first. Before... You need to suffer a little yeah, bit more. <laughs> yeah, you need to suffer. Um, but I think really it was the right pathway for me because I needed to work out who I was because without knowing who you are, it's very hard to serve others. And yeah, I think for, for me, um, yeah, looking back on that little 18-year-old who was just devastated by this number that gets released at the end of you know 13 years of schooling Mm. it really didn't it didn't mean it didn't mean I was any less of a person because I got a number that wasn't what I wanted yeah it was just a number yeah yeah but and, and at the same time as you say there is there is so much value in in these uni degrees as well if you want to become an engineer or become a lawyer or a doctor and and do some surgery um so yeah it, it depends which is the answer to everything yeah. isn't it yeah it all depends <laughs> like as as health practitioners what's the answer to this question oh it depends <laughs> yeah that's so true <laughs> but that's life right like it, it's multifaceted it's multi-dimensional it depends on your individual scenario which which kind of makes it challenging because you know, when you're working at mass level, like in schools, it's easier to have, okay, this is the one outcome that you should go for. This is the finish line you should go for, you know, versus it depends on this and depends on that. It's just like, yeah, I think that's what makes it more challenging to create a system to suit uh, the the different shades versus Mm. just having a black and white. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's also a launch board as well, because as we're going to speak about, it is such a great way to get your foot in the door. That's a phrase that my dad used to use all the time. Get your yeah. foot in the door. And then from there, you can use that degree to serve you in more ways than one. And you can really just open up so much as well, which we're going to talk about. That's something that you have done. So in what ways, if can you take us through, in what ways has your degree served you? Like how has it, what opportunities has it given you initially? And then from there, where have you gone and what are you doing now that's um that's been opened up Mm. yeah well I guess you know I've I've done two degrees and a master's and in that time I've met a lot of different people uh and a lot of different people who have taken different pathways from the degrees that I've been part of they've been part of I think that personally for me um being at university opened up a lot of a lot of doors as far as opportunities in how to use my degree so for me personally I always loved sports and I always wanted to work in in sporting teams with athletes and what, what sports did you play uh so I grew up as a swimmer and then I uh, after my swimming career was over I played soccer netball um but even recently I've played like some touch rugby which is really fun um Hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> Touch rugby, yeah. Like it's, it's a little less hardcore, but it's still good fun, still a good run around. Um, but yeah, for me, I really wanted to be able to get into sporting fields and having the knowledge through my osteopathy degree with anatomy, physiology, um, exercise rehab, it does open up a lot of opportunities to work within um, sporting clubs. So you know, whether you want to go for amateur clubs, um, you know, elite level clubs, which are harder to get into and the pathway is, is a lot longer. Um, but there are lots of opportunities working in sports clubs, which I always really loved. Um, I think other opportunities that really opened up were working in corporate health as well, which I really enjoy. I think that being able to um, educate people in the corporate world about the importance of their health, again, like through networking, through meeting people, through university degrees through things like instagram it really opens up a lot of opportunities and having that degree makes you the expert it gives you like like you said a launch board to be able to say well i have all of this knowledge and i have this passion and i am able to share that with this wider community 
and really um yeah really just educate people on the importance of their health so working in corporate health has been really fun um yeah my degree has opened up a lot of different opportunities but again through my own networking so meeting the right kind of people through actually reaching out to people has opened up more opportunities than than i could have imagined for me um, working with amazing groups like pucker up so they're mental health um, charity advocates um, and you know working in a team with them is really amazing again we get to work with we do seminars we work together and educate um, these pretty big worldwide groups on the importance of mental health and for me it's movement and mental health mm. so again using my education and what I know to be the expert in that field um, recently I launched my own online course to help other young practitioners understand how to find their niche and how to really you know use their um, their skills and what they're passionate in to really define their career and mm. um, so that's been really fun as well yeah and it's like you know completely non-clinical right like you're going mm. into this teaching or leadership role which is really cool yeah it's really it's really fun and I like the challenge of doing something really different yeah and I think that there are a lot of young practitioners that graduate and just have absolutely no idea which direction to go in and they are looking for help they're looking for guidance and so the purpose of my online course was to be a really quick overview, really easily consumable information on how to really start to define yourself as a practitioner and to start to find your calling and, and to help other young practitioners really along their journey. Yeah, that's really cool. And I'm actually curious because I haven't asked you this yet. What inspired you to get into osteo in the first place? Yeah, so really interesting question. My first degree was in biomedical science because I wanted to get into medicine when I finished. But towards the end of that third year, I realized that medicine was just not going to be for me. And so I started to look into things like physio, chiro, um, looking into those as options postgraduate. Uh, and a friend of mine, she was an osteopath living in Perth. And when she would come back to Melbourne, she would always say, oh, you'd be a great osteo. I think you'd really like it. I actually didn't know very much about it. Mm -hmm. um, I had seen one osteo in the past and for a shoulder injury. So I thought, okay, well, maybe this is an option. And then I got in and then I was like, okay, cool. I'm in. Now it's time to learn more about what this is. Yeah. And yeah, so once I was in, then I still wasn't sure. <laughs> That's, that's not an uncommon thing. Yeah, I think that I got in and I still wasn't sure whether this is the right path for me. I still looked into getting into medicine. I still looked into getting into physio. I just wasn't 100% certain. And it probably wasn't until my fourth year, mm. four out of five years, until my fourth year where I actually realized, no, this is what I'm supposed to do. I feel it now. I feel like I'm in the right place. Yeah. Uh, but that took a really long time to get there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. So then what, what made you want to do medicine? Uh, I think that my, my uncle was an anaesthetist growing mm. up. Um, he always had some really cool stories about like working in the snow, working, <laughs> working in emergency surgery, which I always found really interesting. Yeah. Uh, I was a big Grey's Anatomy fan. So, you know, always wanted to be Meredith Grey. Um, How many doctors have been born from Grey's oh, Anatomy? <laughs> It was so. It was a product of its time for people in the yeah. early two thousands. You know, it was really um, inspiring in a way. And yeah, I just really wanted to help people. And yeah. I think that medicine for me felt like it was the right way to help people. Yeah. But now that as I'm older, I realize there are lots of ways you can help people. Mm. Yeah, because that's because you wanting to help people is your why. Right? Like that's the ultimate umbrella driver for what you do. But as you say, there are so many different ways you can help people. There are so many different branches of how that can be actualized. Like, yeah, you can become a doctor. You can be an osteo. You could, I don't know, like just volunteer in, in a charity and you'll still be helping people. Mm. And I think that's a, a key thing for the listeners to take away is not just thinking about the what because that's the question that gets asked. What should I do with my life? Like, what mm. should I do at uni? Um, but that's what gets people really confused because they feel like they need to get locked into this one profession and then just stick that out for the rest of their life. Mm. But really, it's the why. The overarching umbrella and driver 
And when you get clear on that, it opens up like all these different branches. And it's like, oh yeah, I can do that. I can do that as well. I can do both maybe. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that understanding that it takes time too and and some real soul searching to realize (laughs) why you're doing what you are doing. Uh, I think sometimes when you open up that, when you ask that question, why are you doing what you do? Some people don't have the answer. They don't even, you know, they're going through the motions. They don't understand why they are doing something. Mm. So yeah, I think getting to that core, it really helps you understand that whatever kind of background education life experience you have behind you so long as you are staying true to why you want to do something you will continue to be satisfied and be successful yeah absolutely you mentioned earlier that you recently started an online course to help practitioners find their niche this is what's going to lead into the next part because that's not necessarily a job uh, a job title or a profession that requires uh, a degree in osteopathy to get that it's, it's a business it's your own venture and I think that's part of this conversation is not actually just looking for what's obvious and right there in front of you it's not just going on seek.com and finding okay what jobs are out there for me it's actually also a conversation of resourcefulness like how creative can you get to find different avenues that you can use your degree for because yeah, like you can have a top-notch degree, but maybe after six months of applying for jobs, you don't get accepted into any and then you give up. But there could also be people without degrees and they get really creative, they network as you've mentioned, and they get these incredible opportunities that lead to more opportunities and more opportunities. So can you touch on resourcefulness and how being resourceful for you has been a valuable asset yeah so really good question i think that being resourceful for me means utilizing what i know to move myself forward Um, and that i kind of think applies to a number of areas in life as well so um you know i have always been a good communicator and i always knew that that was going to be one of my greatest skills and so when i decided I was going to actually start this online course. Um, I think that what I really wanted to do was utilize what I had learned throughout my journey and learn from those mistakes and actually help people in the future learn from what I had learned. So I was using my my skill set and my knowledge and being resourceful that, with that to create um, yeah, this online course that was basically packaging in a really, yeah, just a easy to consume format, everything I had learned and, and using that to help others learn from what I'd learned. I know I've said learned a lot. In this. <laughs> <laughs> I learn, I learn. Key word, key value. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, really, I think that there are lots of things that we learn in our life and, some of that doesn't come from a university degree. Some people are better communicators than other, others. Some people are really great at technology, which I explained to you earlier, I'm not the best at technology. Well, we were all like standing around the table before we started recording, <laughs> trying to figure out how to use a tripod. So I'm, I, I would put myself in that category yeah. too. <laughs> but I, I think that um, one, one really great thing that I, um, that I read was actually that you don't have to be the best at something to teach someone else how to do something. So what it meant is that you don't need to be on like the cover of Forbes magazine with making the most millions of dollars per year to teach someone how to make more money. Mm. You just have to be one step ahead of the person you're trying to teach. Yes. And then you, you can actually, you know, they've got something to learn from you because you're one step ahead of where they are. Um, So we all have something to teach to the generations coming through. And I think that that is where resourcefulness really comes in, is understanding that what we have to share is is really valuable to the people who are are up and coming. Because like you said before, like, you you know, you don't, what you don't know, like, there's so much more that you don't know than what you know. Mm. And so learning from someone who has experienced it and gone through it, there's actually plenty that you can gain from that and utilize in your own 
work life or your own personal life. I think it's just having the courage to actually say, well, I have, I have these skills and I'm going to use them to, to whether it's to teach others or to educate or to help other people. So I think that that's where resourcefulness really comes into it for me. Yeah. I, I love that you brought that up because I think that's a big one for a lot of high achieving individuals who feel imposter syndrome mm. as well. You know, the, the concepts that, oh, I need to be the best at what I am doing in order to have the qualifications to teach someone else. But as you said, that's, that's not the case at all. And if that were the mentality that were true, then there'd only be one person teaching anything in this whole world. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think like really seeing things is, is resourcefulness. Kind of like seeing that you have value to provide to others. Um, seeing job opportunities or business opportunities or ideas and spotting them where other people might not spot them is going to be what will open up doors for you. Mm. I mean, if the opportunities present, you just have to be willing to see them. Yeah. You know, if you are closed off to them, if you're looking, you know, you've got the blinkers on and you can't see, then you'll never be able to explore what opportunities are actually there. They're there. You just have to really see them open your eyes yeah i think a common challenge for people when it comes to resourcefulness comes down to the uh, money generation uh, aspect of of our work so i do hear people especially in allied health but in many other industries as well talking about how there is a cap or like a, a ceiling on how much they can make it in this profession mm-hmm. but at the same time we know that's not true because there are allied health practitioners and there are individuals in every single industry that like go out from the herd and make a lot more and, and things like that. So there are different ways to become resourceful in terms of income generation as well. So how can people go about seeking this and creating this? So I think the first thing to address there, and I think that this is something really common with a lot of young graduates coming out onto pretty like standard salaries these days, um, is really understanding your value, but working towards providing value. So you're writing that there is a, there is a bit of a general conception that, that in allied health, if you're working for someone, your earning capacity is, is limited, it's capped. Um, but I think that what, what young practitioners and even like experienced practitioners need to understand that is if you are providing value to the place you're working at, um, you, you can then kind of use that as leverage to, to negotiate with them on an increase on a, on a pay rise. Because if you are, if you're happy in the place that you're at, but you don't feel like you're being valued financially, then you need to say something about it. I think that actually having those honest conversations, um, courageous conversations, even if you think about it, Mm. I think that that is a really good starting point because if you feel like you're being undervalued, maybe the place you're working at doesn't realize that that's how you feel because we're not mind readers. You have to be able to have these conversations first. So if you feel like I'm not getting the kind of money I deserve, start having a look at what you are providing for the place you're working at and start to break it down as a way to have that conversation. Look, I'm seeing X amount of clients per week. I've had X amount over the last three months. My numbers reflect that I am a valuable person here. I like being here. Is there room to move here? And if there's room to move, most most clinics at the moment, like if you are working in private practice or even the hospital, most places will want to keep you because it is an employee's market at the moment. Mm. So use what you have to offer as a way to try and leverage yourself to to be rewarded for the work you're putting in. Now, mm. if you're met with roadblocks and, and there is no wiggle room and this is as far as you'll ever go, well, and that's when it can start to be really frustrating, especially in healthcare, thinking, well, I'm working really hard, but I'm not getting the financial reward I feel I deserve. Well, that's when you have to start thinking of taking a chance on yourself. And maybe that does mean becoming a contractor and increasing your earning potential by working somewhere where you earn a higher percentage, where you can, you know, you can really, um, you know, how hard you work is how much you earn in, in return. 
The same thing goes as if you're ready to take a chance on yourself to open your own business, to start your own one-man band out of a room, you know. You have to be willing to take that risk and take that chance. And that really means believing in what you have to offer now, not to the clinic, but to your potential clientele. So I think that the idea that our earnings are capped and that they're limited, it's, it's our own belief in ourselves that is limited. If you believe that you are worth something, you should ask for it. And if if there is like if you are met with resistance, then then ask the question, well, how can I get to this? This is where I want to be. Resourcefulness. Exactly. Being resourceful and actually asking the question, how can I get to this this number? What do I have to do to get here? And if that if they don't weigh up, like if the risk and the benefit don't weigh up, then look for your next option. Doesn't mean that you start your own thing. Doesn't mean that you have a side hustle. You know, there are lots of practitioners I know of that have side hustles in, you know, different investments, like whether it's um, like equipment or maybe it's, you know, like a clothing brand or online courses, mentorships. There are lots of other ways that you can be resourceful with what you have learned to increase your earning potential, but you have to be willing to take that risk. There's no point sitting back complaining about it if you're not willing to do something about it. Mm, I love that. And when I asked this question, I was thinking of, oh yeah, like get resourceful by looking externally, but it's awesome that you said actually leverage your value where you're already at and be resourceful internally. Like that's the definition of resourcefulness is look everywhere and and it'll it'll come. Um, And I think especially in the last couple of years, especially in the last couple of years, but even before then, there are so many lower risk options to start side hustles as well. I've been asked about, you know, how can I become a freelancer and things like that, you know, by people on social media. And I'm like, social media. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, there's no overheads. There's, there's no risk, really. Mm-hmm. And you can, go as, uh, you can go as all in as you want on it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just so accessible nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, it's the first thing I tell people as well is when they are looking to, um, yeah, maybe increase their revenue streams or, you know, become a freelancer of some sort. I always say, well, what's your social media presence look like? Do you Mm. have Instagram? Do you have TikTok? Are you on LinkedIn? You know, you need to be active in these areas. And a lot of people will say, oh, yeah, sort of. Like, well, that's no, that's a no. (laughs) (laughs) You're either active on it and you're proactive with getting out there and putting out what you want to attract or you're not. Yeah. There's no middle ground. There's no gray area. It's either like, are you out there doing what you're doing or you're not? And like, I look at you, Trang, and I look at everything you put out there. And, you know, I said it to you before that I feel like I know you so well because I follow your journey and I've seen your your transition into, you know, where you are today. Um, and that comes from you being proactive in the industry, showing people that I've actually gone from being a practicing physio to now being the person who can mentor you in life. Mm. And I think that that is because you've created that because you've proactively done it. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for um, expressing that to me because yeah, it it actually does take a lot of work, but, and, and I do attribute my entire business and entrepreneurship to social media. Like that is the only reason why I'm doing what I am today. The same right back at you as well, because I was going to say before, if anyone wants an example of what showing up on social media looks like, check out Ashton's page because her reels are hilarious, but also so informative. And that's what it takes. So you got to like, you got to put yourself out there. Yeah. I think that being authentic, show your personality. You don't have to be someone you don't want to be. You just have to be you and be comfortable with being you on a platform you know, like social media, like, (laughs) you know, yeah, sometimes you're having a bit of fun on there and people like to see that. People want to see real people. Yes. Yeah. I think that's, that's probably one of the most common objections to social media. It's like, Oh, I don't know what other people will think of me. I'm not sure if you've had, had these, but I've definitely heard these. Oh, I don't know what other people will think of me. Um, I don't know what if other people judge me, Mm -hmm. but one of my reels actually went, went a little bit viral recently and I was being an absolute goose on that reel (laughs) and that just is a testament to how much people want to see authenticity Mm -hmm. so yeah 
be authentic, be yourself? Yeah, well, I mean, it's really in your hands how far you want to take your own professional profile or, you know, your, your freelance work, your side hustle, your mm. full hustle, whatever. Yeah. You know, it's really dependent on how much you want to put out there. Mm. A problem for some people could be that they get real stuck and tunnel visioned and trapped in, in one profession. But then on the other hand, there are people who fear doing too many things, especially high achievers like like you who get a lot of ideas and want to enact them and will you know will act and uh, bring that to fruition and some people might say you know i'm scared of becoming a jack of all trades instead of a master of one because usually that saying gets thrown around and it's usually like um you said in a negative way so what are your thoughts on that ashton um, I think when it comes to high achievers, I think that um, we're our own, I'll call myself one, um, we're our own worst enemy because we let our you know, desire for perfection get in the way of actually trying something new. Mm. Um, I don't think that there's anything wrong with being a jack of all trades and trying a little bit of everything. I think it's really worthwhile identifying if something, if you're not good at something and just instead of being determined to learn it and perfect it to actually offload it and give it to someone else to do. Mm. Um, it's Self-awareness. like awareness. Yeah. Just, just understanding that, you know, what, what you're good at and, and really focus on what you are good at. So, you know, if you are trying to freelance a new business, like you're, you're starting something new and you're going, okay, I'm going to put myself out there on social media. Maybe like, Social media may be your thing, but maybe website design isn't. Like you don't have to design a website and stress yourself out over it. Mm. Offload it. Get someone else to do it. You know, yeah, you pay in the short term, but in the long run, you can focus on what you're actually good at. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with trying a little bit of everything. I've definitely been that person where I've tried to, yeah, run the social media and run the website and run all the digital marketing and um, you know, then also be a practitioner and, and then work on my own personal skills. Um, but I think that, like you said, with self-awareness, you start to become really aware of what you are really good at. And I think that that's when you can start to master a few areas of what you do. Yeah. And then you can really focus on those. And then for other things, you ask for help and you get other people involved in your journey to assist you along the way. I think that that's where, um, yeah, probably fear is what really, um, and that perfectionism is what stops people or prevents people from really ever trying anything, but also ever moving forward. Like it can get really stuck on, oh, I didn't get that bit right. So I'm just going to stop. I'm going to throw in the towel and and that's the end of it. Yeah. Um, I think just identifying that you have strengths, follow your strengths and anything that you are not so strong in, um, ask for assistance, ask for help, you know, get support in those areas. I think that that's where we can really start to, especially if you are a high achiever looking to be the perfect person at everything, just you can really start to conserve your energy, one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, um, and just focus on what you're, what you're good at and, and that just keeps you more on track, yeah. going in the right direction. Yeah, because you're someone who wears a lot of hats but no doubt at, at the clinic, at Alpha Sports Medicine, you've got yeah, different people who you can offload certain tasks to, right? Oh, like you're not, the one, you're not the one person running everything. No, I think that being able to have... Yeah, there are, there are certain things that I will do and run myself, um, but there are a lot of things that I, I offload. I have an accountant and a bookkeeper that run all of my books and I don't have to worry about anything. They do it all, which mm. is great because I've already said I'm not good with technology. <laughs> and although I won the math award in high school, uh, <laughs> math is also not my strong point anymore. <laughs> oh, especially when it's just like, not even just like maths, but it's just like a million numbers. Oh, and numbers. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it means having people who are good at that and mm. just understanding that, okay, I pay them to do that. But that's because that's what they're good at. Yeah. And I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. I pay for an external admin team to take all my phone calls. So my phone isn't the one ringing all the time. So I can be present during things like this mm. and actually be 100% in the room instead of having my phone buzzing all the time. Mm. So I think it's just understanding that you can wear all the hats. And at the start, 
if you are starting your own business, you probably will have to wear all the hats, but eventually understanding that you can offload some of those tasks to really focus on what you are good at. Yeah. And, and then you, you find you end up having more time. Yeah. You pay a little bit more, but you have more time to focus on growing your business or growing yourself personally, whatever it is you want to be doing, you have time for it. Yeah. So the, the key takeaway of that is you can be a jack of all trades, but then have the awareness to know what you're good at and what you like. Yeah. And then be a jack of all trades of all that and yeah. then just, you know, offload the rest. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, perfect. And there, there is research, and this is a little bit removed, but in children or adolescents in sport development, like when they start off like doing different sports and being more of a generalist, isn't it the research that they then become, uh, develop more, uh, they develop better to then like niche and specialize later on in the sport? Yeah, I think that it's it's learning different skills, right? Like especially mm. when you're young and you know your brain is kind of like malleable, you can you can shape it however you want. Yeah. I think trying a lot of things when you're young is really important. Um, especially for you know your your physical development, your mental development, but also your confidence as well. Being yeah. confident to try something new and even if you're not very good at it at first, learning how to get better. Hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And then, so for example, if someone starts a podcast while also working in a clinic or while also being an accountant, it might not like be something that lasts, but now they have the skills and the confidence to talk and to hold conversations like this. And that might pop up later on and become relevant. Yeah. I think that every skill you can learn has a relevance. So you just may not realize it just yet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. Awesome. All right. So... Moving on to the next part, I want to talk a little bit about adaptability as well, because we've, we've touched on this since the year 2020. Yeah. <laughs> we've learned how important it is to be adaptable. So where have you seen adaptability working for people or for yourself? Yeah, I think 2020, 2021 were just... Yeah, there'll be those years that we'll never forget, I think. Um, it was almost as if time stood still in a way. Uh, yeah, I think that term pivot got thrown around a lot. And um, I think that the, the in particular, the businesses I saw that really thrived during that time were the ones that were able to adapt and to roll with the, the changing times. Um, I know of a good friend of mine who's a Pilates instructor um, and she, overnight, when her, her whole business changed overnight, um, you know, she went from running in-person classes with a team of five instructors to then having to quickly move online. And I remember speaking to her, we, we caught up for a coffee well into the first lockdown um, and had a chat about it. And she said overnight, she had to adapt her business model to move absolutely everything online and she said it was successful. She said of all, she said she maybe lost 10% of her members due to them and their own personal circumstances of losing their jobs or partner losing job, which is awful, horrible. Mm. But for her business, she maintained 90% of her members and she, yeah, overnight got like a, a full tripod camera system with light rings and everything you can imagine. And and overnight, she changed her whole business model. And that kept her going two years, Pilates and gyms weren't allowed to operate. Yeah. And that kept her whole business going for two years. And now she's in a stronger position than ever because she has now a, a model that incorporates online Pilates as well as in person. Mm -hmm. And I know of a lot of places that really adapted to that and, and created an online version of what they were doing and have still been able to maintain that because for some people, it's more convenient. Um, yeah. So I think really looking at businesses that really adapted, there were a lot of cafes in my local area that were doing like take home packs. You know, you could take home meal packs for your family or, mm. you know, switching to takeaway only and, and having absolutely thriving businesses Yeah. because they just moved so quickly and just said, okay, well, if we can't have people sitting in here, we will be creating the same value product, but in a takeaway container. And I think that that you know, just showed how if you can adapt and you're willing to roll with it, you can actually make a really successful business model 
um, and you can continue to thrive even in 2020, 2021. I know myself personally um, that being being an osteo um, osteophysio clinic, we were allowed to open for emergency clients only, which, you know, when you looked at the criteria, it, it was almost laughable in a way. Like mm. it was basically people in such severe pain, you know, like a, like a leg removed type pain that they would be allowed to come and see someone yeah. for any kind of allied health treatment. Um, but I managed to move my business into a telehealth model, um, which, you know, still maintained my bills. It wasn't the same kind of revenue stream that I was achieving having the physical clinic, but it kept things going. And I also adapted and did online exercise classes. So I was doing online stretching, online mobility, mm. and you know, charging a very low price, but it was more so to keep people consistent, to keep people moving at their homes, and also to help remind people that I still existed. Yeah. Um, don't forget me when we're all over this. Um, but yeah, I really had to adapt my whole business model, especially 2020. Yeah. Um, and if I didn't do that, I probably wouldn't have the clinic I have today. Yeah. Yeah. Adaptability. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, Monday. Anyways. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, some people might be listening to this and, and wondering, oh, well, what does that have to do with oh, making your, your degree work for you in more ways than one? But it's, but it's like, that's exactly it. You know, if you want to make a degree work for you in more ways than one, you've got to be adaptable. And uh, events like COVID, I'm going to say the C word, COVID, <laughs> um, you know, like they're, they're unexpected. They're out of our control. So who's to say something else might not pop up uh, and that's at a mass societal scale. But what about for you as an individual? Like what if something happens at an individual level and you need to adapt, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Like this is you know, the pandemic is a global scale. It made everybody, it threw everybody into a spin. Mm. Um, but I think that those, you know, there is a lot of lessons we can take away from what happened and apply them to our own personal lives. You know, if you lose your job, what happens? You know, maybe yeah. your business goes bust. You know, how do you bounce back from that? I think that what we really learn as a society is how to be more resilient to change. Yeah. And instead of letting change control us, to actually move with it, and, and just kind of ride the wave. Yeah. And, and if anyone needs any more evidence on why being adaptable is so important, just remember this. Does any kid know what video easy is? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and oh. I say kid because it wasn't even that long ago. But, like, yeah, do, do kids even know what a video easy is? Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> we've, we've watched so much change through our lives. Yeah. Like, I was talking with a friend last night about the um, – the first Fast and Furious movie, in in that movie, they're stealing DVD players. <laughs> what? What are DVDs? Right? <laughs> so it's like we've, we've gone through change in, mm. in so much in our lives. Yeah. And we've learned to adapt to it. Like, I don't know. I, I think I've still got DVDs somewhere. But I don't play them. But I know that my, my parents do. <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you even have a DVD player no, still? No, <laughs> I don't. No. So you'd have to go to your parents yeah. to play the DVD. Exactly. That are somewhere in your basement or something. Yeah, hidden somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Adapting with the times. That's another one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I want to share this, this quote. I wrote this down because this quote describes adaptability so, so well. And it's one by Bruce Lee. And it's... Love that. <laughs> do, you know, do you know with this one? Yeah, yeah. Okay, this is it. Empty your mind, be formless, shapeless, like water. If you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. If you put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. If you put it into a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now, water can flow or it can crash. Be water, my friend. So be water, be adaptable. So beautiful. So well said. Yes, Bruce Lee. <laughs> everything that comes, like everything that just came from Bruce Lee is, is beautiful. That's oh, wisdom. Yeah. So then, you know, after talking about how important it is to be adaptable, you know, that's not what people don't already know in a way. Like people know that they should be adaptable. But what holds them back is that 
they have resistance and fears to, to being adaptable. So what do you think is it that like, at the core holds people back from adapting freely? I think it's exactly what you just said. It's fear. It's the fear of what if, what, what if it doesn't work? What if I fail? Mm. What if I try and, it, and, and people think I'm like silly or they judge me for it? Mm. I think that people's fear is what holds them back from changing freely. And, and I think that if you can address where is that fear actually coming from, then you can start to really learn that there, there's actually, that fear is internal. There's, there's no, you know, there's going to be judgment from people regardless, but it doesn't stop you from trying. What stops you from trying is yourself yeah. and your own internal fear. Yeah. So really rising up above that fear, like feeling it, but you're going you're to take action regardless. Yeah, I think that fear as well can be a really good driver for change. Mm. You know, I think that you can you, you you can feel that fear and and really like acknowledge it, um, and then almost use it in a way that pushes you forward. So you you acknowledge that that's what the fear is, but you almost change the interpretation of the feeling. You go, okay, maybe it's excitement. Maybe instead of like the butterflies in my stomach being fear, maybe I'm just excited. Maybe mm. I'm you know, looking forward to what's going to happen next. So I think just changing your mindset around the word fear and the feeling fear um, could be a really good driver for change. Yeah, like reframing it into something else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, And you spoke earlier about how over the last couple of years, you've had to pivot and adapt to online. And that was a really big one for people. What do you think? say to people who might not just want to adapt within their field but feel the call or feel the urge to actually adapt outside of their field like maybe to let go of their current uni degree completely to pursue something else yeah look i think that's a really like incredible question to ask and and i think that there would be a lot of people again who were who were probably a bit scared about letting go of their degree and, and moving forward or moving within their own field. Um, I think the first thing to do is drop your ego. <laughs> a lot of people, you know, it's... You said it so nicely. Yeah. You're like, you drop your ego. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that um, ego and pride are two things mm. that I think really get in the way of people actually wanting to follow their passions. Yeah. Um, so I think if you can actually just put that aside... And, and just understand that whatever you take on next is going to be brand new and it's going to feel really different and really challenging. Um, but that's okay. And, and that pride and ego that you held in your other position, maybe you were a director, maybe you were a principal lawyer in a firm, maybe you, know, maybe you have a high-paying engineering job or you're a surgeon somewhere. Um, and that comes with like a ticket of, of ego and, and you know, you've earned that and you, you yeah. feel like you're maybe superior to other people, then maybe taking a chance on yourself and starting a new business or starting a new career path feels like you're taking 20 steps back and mm. uh, I'm above that. I need a better pay grade. I need a, a better position. Yeah. You need to really drop that because if you want to follow what you're really passionate in and what really fulfills you, you have to understand that that means you're starting from the bottom again and you have to build yourself, yourself back up. Yeah. Um, so I think dropping your, your pride in your ego is a good start. Yeah. Um, I think that, um, again, not letting fear stand in your way and, and using fear in a way as like to motivate you to like that excitement of starting something new. So, you know, if you, if, if you're too afraid to put something out there, it's like the old, um, you know, the, the best, Instagram reels, TikToks in the world that are sitting in the drafts and never get posted. Yeah. You know, why, why are they sitting there? It doesn't matter how good they are. If you never post them, you never put them out there. No one will ever know what it is you have to offer. You have to really put that fear aside and, and just do it. You just have to go. Um, I think another thing that would really help anyone who's looking to maybe yeah, use their university degree for something different um, is just a willingness to actually try because you have to be willing to try something new and have that within you to actually see 
the pathway that could be ahead. Um, you get to choose what's next, uh, but if you're not really willing to try it, well, then you're just going to stay in the same spot. You're not going to move forward. Mm. You have to actually have that willingness within you to try something different, to follow what's going to make you happy or fulfill you. Mm. Yeah, wonderful words of wisdom. Not quite up there with Bruce Lee, but... <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I like that because it's it, it, that's it. You know, that's the first step is like overcoming the fear, dropping the ego and the willingness to try. But also that's, that's it. Like that's the tangible steps for people to take um, is to do it which yeah. is as, as simple as it sounds that's it mm, yep i think that it's you know simple is often the best way yeah just keep it as simple as possible mm, and reframing what you feel as well i think that's a really big one um because it, it's come up a few times in this conversation but it all goes back to you like it all goes back to your beliefs whether you believe that there is a cap of earning capacity in in your field or whether you believe that um whatever else was there it's come up a few times um yeah like believe whether you can do multiple things and be good at it versus oh like i'm just gonna spread myself too thin it, it all comes down to your perspective yeah for sure i think that perspective is probably the key word there mm. how you see it yeah well that's I think that's given the listeners so much value and so many tangible strategies that they can put in place. So we are coming to the end of the podcast, but first, the fun stuff. We're going to finish (laughs) with five rapid fire questions so that the listeners get to know you a little bit more um, outside of, you know, what we've spoken about so far. So I'm going to ask you five questions, answer them, you know, in one, ideally one sentence to keep it rapid fire. Uh, and then I'm interested to hear your responses to some of these. All right, I'm ready. All right, let's go. <laughs> let's do it. So number one, who is your inspiration? My grandmother. <laughs> Should I elaborate? Yeah, I feel like I was like, I was like oh, yeah. Okay, you, you need to elaborate on that. Um, I think that she she's an immigrant. She came from Slovenia in Europe um, and she raised three kids very young um and she's just a survivor she's she's beaten cancer three times you know she's she's just kind of like our matriarch in the family that we all look up to she's always just giving love freely i think Mm. you know without um any expectation and i think that's just the way i I like to live by is just to Yeah. yeah give give love to the people i care about and Feed them. She always cooks. <laughs> I can imagine her food would be oh, it's, oh, incredibly. It's like, very dense. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. you can never eat enough if you, if you wear that. Oh. Eat more. Like, you know, it's exactly you're that. Yeah, yeah. You always have to eat more than what yeah. you think you're going in for. So, But yeah, she would be my inspiration. Oh, she sounds like an absolute everyday hero. Like, <laughs> yeah, I love that. Okay. Uh, mornings or nights? I'm definitely a night person. Okay, good. <laughs> Favorite place to travel? Uh, Europe. Has to be Europe. Mm-hmm. Which countries in Europe? Uh, Croatia, one of my favorites. Greece, uh, Germany, love my beer. So definitely Germany. Um, but yeah, I just love Europe. And I think it's, it's just a place you can get so much out of in such a short space of time. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> a quick train ride from one country to the next. It's crazy. Mm. <laughs> How many coffees a day? Three. Okay, so what what number are you up to now? Because you definitely walked in with a coffee in hand. That's my second coffee for today. Okay, we'll have one more at lunch after yeah. this. Perfect. And then one final question for you, Ashton. If you could only do one sport for the rest of your life, what would it be? Netball, I reckon. Netball. I always loved netball. I yeah. think I could play that forever. Yeah, are you still playing netball now? No, which is funny. Now it makes me think maybe I should start playing again. <laughs> yeah, like social netball where it's like still really competitive and like getting all getting all into it. But yeah, yeah there's so many different ways you can play netball, right? Exactly. You know, yeah. the kind where you can still have a laugh afterwards. You know, it's just a bit of fun competition. Yeah. The reason why I bring that up is because I remember I used to play like soccer as a kid, outdoor soccer. Yeah. And then as an adult, I got into futsal, which is like indoor soccer, like bouncing off nets, meant to be really casual, but 
it was not like it got so competitive and i get like so hung up if we lost (laughs) yeah yeah you don't realize like that competitive nature just comes screaming right back yeah it never went anywhere no (laughs) oh well ashton that's the end of our conversation Thank you so much for coming and meeting me today and sharing all of your experiences and all of your knowledge with everyone. I think this is a very valuable conversation to share because that's why we we decided to talk about this. It's something that people ask us and people talk about often as something that holds them back. Yeah, no, I think that it's a very valuable conversation, like you said, and I'm just really glad to be part of it. So thank you for having me here. Pleasure. For anyone who does want to find out more about you or ask you any questions from this podcast, where's the best place they can find you? Um, So probably contact me through Instagram is probably your best way. Um, So my handle is at doc underscore Ashton with two N's, N-N. Probably the best way to to reach me. Um, Mm. And yeah, I mean, I'm happy to answer any questions or just to have chats. Um, I'm always just keen for conversation. So don't don't feel afraid um just just reach out perfect i'll put that in the podcast description well that's it ashton thank you oh thank you for having me and there it is the end of another episode of the aligned performance podcast the end of a fantastic chat with dr ashton wilson i do want to take a moment and thank ashton once again for coming on the show and sharing with us her perspective on how there are infinite opportunities out there for you no matter what it is that you want to do no matter what it is that you want to achieve there is enough abundance you've just got to open up your eyes and seek those opportunities if you do have any comments or any questions for either ashton or myself please find all of our details in the podcast description and if you are enjoying the podcast if you enjoyed this conversation I would really appreciate it if you had a moment to leave a review and rating on whatever platform that you listen to the podcast to. It really makes a big difference for me and for the podcast to reach more souls out there who will benefit from these conversations. All right, that is it from me for another episode. Thank you once again for being here. Keep showing up as your highest self and I'll catch you in the next one. Bye.